When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This holiday season, Lexus wants you to remember. It's not just the thought that counts. It's your thought. Because no matter how much time you spend picking out the perfect gift, the only thing they'll really care about is that it's from you. Here's to experiences they'll continue to cherish. Season after season. Make this December one to remember. Together. Click the banner to discover more. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Here's what's cooking on today's Sports Stove Podcast. We're talking all things football. The NFL with the final regular season game, coaching carousels, uh, and all kinds of great news with Roethlisberger, Antonio Brown, things like that. We're going to talk about the MVP debate. We're going to talk about college football. We're going to talk about the USFL, covering all kinds of stuff. We even got a guest coming on later, a USFL insider, uh, Zach Kyleman, will be joining us. So make sure you stay tuned for that. That's what's cooking on today's Sports Stove Podcast. From Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network, you're listening to the Sports Stove Podcast with your host, Vince Stover. Welcome in to a new edition of the Sports Stove Podcast, and it's great to be with you here in the new year and excited for about what is all ahead. I am joined as I am normally by my dad, Dale Stover. Dad, how you doing? Doing good, doing good. Exciting new year. Winter's hit, but outside of that, a lot of great sports stuff coming up here at the end of some of the seasons and the start of some of the others. Yeah, you talk about winter hitting here in Lexington, Kentucky. We got snow today. The weatherman said three inches. Um, nobody believed them, including the road crew. So no salt, no plows. <laughs> and uh, now that we're sitting at about seven inches and snow still falling, uh, it's been mass chaos here all day uh, today. But uh, nonetheless, we're excited to talk sports uh, tonight and get into all kinds of football stuff, Dad. We're going to be talking USFL uh, towards the end of the program. Zach Kyleman will be joining us from uh, Gridiron Gallery and uh, sharing with us all the latest news uh, and everything going on currently within the realm of the USFL. Uh, we're going to talk all NFL stuff. We've got the last uh, week of regular season, so we'll get our pick sixes in there and uh, start talking about coaching carousels. My favorite time of the year, Dad, is the offseason. I love the draft. I love uh, coaching changes, the free agencies, all that kind of stuff, and so I'm looking forward to what's ahead uh, there for sure uh, as well. well. We'll get to all that in a minute. We're going to talk college football uh, as well. But before we get to any of that, Dad, last week 
you led uh, uh, closed out the program by saying you've got a uh, stat or something similar to a stat uh, that you can share that you've not heard anywhere else before. So this is uh, straight from uh, your own research and work. And uh, and uh, we had some people excited about hearing what it was. So I'm going to hand it over to you now to share what that great stat is. Well, I was just thinking a couple of weeks ago, you know, we're getting into this last week of the season of the NFL. Of course, this is the first time there's been a 17 games and uh, 18 weeks. And I'm really all for that. I know the players haven't necessarily been, but I, to me, more football is good. But I started thinking, what if this was just 16 games? What if we were coming up on the last game of the season? And I thought, well, hey, it's pretty easy to go back and take out that extra game. It's easy to see what the extra game was this year. So I went back out of curiosity and took the extra game off every team, whether it was a win or whether it was a loss. And I thought, is that going to make it a lot different going in to the last week? Um, the NFC, it really didn't change a whole lot, but the AFC would be interesting. If it changed, um, if you took the extra game out for every team, New England would be ahead of Buffalo, and uh, they would have a better shot at winning the division. And Tennessee, Kansas City, Cincinnati, and New England would all be tied going into the last game of the year, would make for a little bit different dynamic as far as the um, far as the wild cards, it doesn't really change a whole lot. Um, the NFC, I don't think it really changes the teams. Dallas and Arizona would actually be tied. Um, but again, Dallas is ahead in their division. But um, I, I thought it was, it was interesting to, you know, to me, it was easy to go back and say, well, let's just take the extra game out because you knew what they were this year and to see who won that extra game and who lost that extra game. And uh, kind of interesting, the Packers would have a two-game lead over everybody because their extra game they lost. So they'd be 13-2 and two going into the last week of the season here. Um, and, of course, then you could have eight and eight teams, which this, this year we're not going to have anybody that's going to be that, um, except for the teams with a tie, which I guess could be Pittsburgh. So that was what I looked at, and I thought, well, I just wonder where it would change. I'm surprised I haven't heard more this week about this extra game because a few weeks ago, you know, again, and I've heard off and on players, even Packer players talking about, well, boy, you know, it's going to be the extra game and a little bit of wear and tear, but I guess everybody's excited about it and everybody's excited about the playoffs. Um, I thought that might be a lot of what we hear this week. Of course, a lot of other stuff has come up um, <laughs> to take everybody's interest. So that was what I looked up. Yeah. One extra game. You know, it's interesting as people start talking about guys that were breaking records last week. And had they had to put it in there, no asterisk is needed for this this record because they actually did it in 16 games versus 17 games, and so those can hold. But if someone breaks a record this week for a single season, obviously that's going to change things a little bit there as well. And then they'll start being the conversation about the records uh, and all the good stuff there as well. Of course, having the COVID rest that so many players had, not as much wear and tear this year as they expected uh, in those 17 games. Uh, we're going to get back to the NFL in just a second, but Dad, I want to start the show today with uh, college football. And Monday, January the 10th, 8 o'clock, it'll be the College Football National Championship, and uh, returning is the SEC. A lot of talk early in the bowl season about the SEC 
and their inability to win bowl games. Yet here we sit at the end with two SEC teams, Georgia and Alabama. They just played a couple weeks ago. Alabama dominated that entire game, but Georgia is favorited currently going into this national championship game. Uh, two and a half point favorites against Alabama. Alabama is the one. Georgia is the three. Um, it's interesting that they're back and that they're here. I think clearly the two best teams in the country. Um, and I don't really like either one of them <laughs> as a fan, <laughs> that is. But uh, nonetheless, here they sit, Alabama and Georgia, the rematch just a couple weeks later. Uh, what's your breakdown of this game? What do you expect to see? Well, I think it is, like I said, the two best teams. And even when I saw the four finalists, I thought, that, you know, this would probably happen. And it would be good because I think Georgia does have a chance. Um, you know, Alabama will really establish himself as something if they dominate this game again. But I think Georgia, uh, ability-wise, has a chance. Um, what little I watched of the games last week, the only thing it makes me wonder about, and you know, I think it's always been a little bit of a deal, is coaching. In other words, Kirby Smart, you know, a great recruiter, um, you know, is he going to be able, you know, coaching is going to be a big part of this. Now, he's got some great assistance, and that works. I was interested in the game last week. Um, I saw it, like I said, I didn't see all of it, but I saw at the end of the first half when they really didn't handle the clock well, and I was really shocked the way Kirby Smart really went after the quarterback. Um, you know, they're on the sidelines and all the way walking into the locker room, of course, knowing the TV was going to cover that. And because, um, again, I mean, I, I'm sure the quarterback had something to do with it, but it was communication and there was problems down the line. And to me, I, you know, I thought, wow, he's really, you know, he's got a half of football left. And, um, you know, I was that that surprised me a little bit. I wondered about his control, about his poise. And um, again, he's going to need every bit of that. Georgia's got, you know, we know they got a great defense. They got great athletes. Um, I think they have a good quarterback. Um, so it, it, it could be a very, hopefully it'll be a close game. It'll be a good game. And again, you know, the SEC, like I said, they struggled a little bit with some of the bowl games, but you can't argue with the SEC with the two dominant teams in the championship. Yeah, I mean, you said it there towards the end. Georgia's got a great defense. They gave up 41 to Alabama the last time that they played. Uh, I don't expect that to happen again. Georgia's defense has been so good. They've given up, I think, the most was, what, 17 points all season? I could be wrong in a game. At least most games were under 17 points. I think they averaged 17 points. Uh, let's see. I'm looking real quick to see. They gave up 41 to Alabama, and then the next highest they gave up was 17 points, um, and that was to Tennessee. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, the, against Michigan, Michigan only scored 11. This is a legit defense. And, uh, you know, people are saying, well, they didn't play anybody. Well, they played incredibly well, though, throughout the season, no matter who they played. Uh, they shut out Arkansas, who ended to be a top 10 team. They uh, only gave up 10 to Auburn. They gave up 13 to Kentucky, who's a number 11 ranked team as well. And, of course, Clemson, at the beginning of the season, they only gave up three points. And the defense scored a touchdown. So uh, this Georgia defense is legit. I think that 41 that they gave up to Alabama would not be the same this time. I think Alabama will still score points. I think that they'll score more than 17, uh, but I don't think they're going to put up 41 again. I think if Georgia wins this game, they hold Alabama to, what, 20, 23 points or under. 
Um, and I think Georgia wins this game. But that being said, Alabama has the advantage on offense. Georgia has the advantage on defense. And the last time they faced off, the offense won out. So um, it's interesting. You know, we were talking before we came on air about the fact that Georgia is the favorite coming into this game. I think it's kind of just a play by Vegas to get people to put money uh, in and get on it. Uh, they're going to, you know, go go towards Alabama. And then that line will change as we get closer to Monday. But uh, I don't know. I mean, are you, you said Georgia can win. Who do you think will win? Who's your prediction uh, that will win the national championship? Um, I mean, again, I, I'm for Georgia, so uh, I, I would pick them to say dogmatically I know they're going to win. I, I, I just hope it will be a good football game um, and and go from there. I, you know, I, uh, you know, I would say, yeah, Georgia will win the rematch, but I, I wouldn't, you know, again, I don't gamble, but I wouldn't put a lot of money on that. That's, yes, we, neither of us gamble. But, uh, you know, I never realized how um... – indecisive slash political you are uh, until we start doing this podcast, dad. It's like I ask you a question and then you're beating around the bush. You're kind of giving me some, some so-so answers and things like that. I just, I just want a bold prediction. Who's going to win the game. I think Georgia wins this game. I think they come out better prepared than they were in the SEC championship. They're going to throw everything they got at them. Uh, You know, in that SEC championship game, they didn't need to win it. They, it would have been nice to for sure, but it wasn't necessary because they were already going to make the playoffs. Now, this game, there's no holding back. Everything is on the table now. And uh, we said it. If you go back and listen to our SEC preview episode back in August, we said Georgia uh, has the talent to be national champs, but do they have the coach? That's the question that we asked. And uh, we'll stand with that. That's still the question mark. But Kirby Smart, he needs to, uh, he needs to, to make his name known right now and win a national championship this year with the team that he has. And uh, I think he can. I think he will. So I'm picking Georgia. See, that's what I wanted to hear. Uh, who are you picking in the game? Not who you like, uh, not not who you would not gamble on, but uh, I picked Georgia. That's who I picked for the national championship game. And, uh, and, and we'll see. I mean, you never count out Nick Saban. If he's in the game, then there's a chance of him winning it. So uh, we definitely have to keep an eye on it. It should be a good game. I think you're right. I think either way it's going to be closer than – 41-24 that it was before, and it'll end up being a really good game uh, when it's all said and done there. All right, let's get into the NFL. There is so much happening. Uh, Monday is the national championship game in college, but it's also the day where coaches get fired. Uh, it's, a, it's a beautiful day for the uh, sports nerd that loves the offseason, and uh, it's a sad day for the coaches that lose their jobs. But I think they still have enough money. They'll be okay. Uh, let's talk about some of these coaching situations. Right now, there are two teams with open spots, Jacksonville and Las Vegas. Jacksonville's already started recruiting, uh, recruiting, uh, interviewing some guys uh, already. Vegas, um, it, I would be shocked if they don't change coaches, even if they make the playoffs. I just can't imagine that they're going to keep this guy as their head coach moving forward. So those two are open. Dad, at the beginning of the season – I said Chicago, Denver, and Minnesota were teams to watch for coaches getting fired. I still feel pretty confident about those three teams. Um, those teams, do you do you agree that Chicago, Denver, and Minnesota are going to be looking for a new coach? Uh, and then are there other teams that you're watching for? 
Um, I, I don't think Denver will be. I think they've done well enough. I, I wouldn't think they would make a change. Um, you know, again, in these things, unless they've really got their eye on somebody, I don't think Denver will make a change. I think Minnesota will make a change, but they do strange things sometime, and they've already stayed with him a couple years longer than they should have. Um, it may depend on the game this week. Um, Chicago definitely, I think, will, will have a new coach. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I think Seattle will have a new coach. I mean, there's a lot of talk whether either the quarterback or the coach, one will stay, but I, I would think Pete Carroll will be gone um, from there. Otherwise, I, you know, I've said all year, I think the giant coach should be gone, but they've made a statement that, you know, no, they're going to keep him. Um, so I guess you could say he's not going to be, um, you know, from there, I don't think, uh, Carolina will make a change. I think they'll go another year. I don't think there'll be as many firings, as many coaching changes this year as there has been some years, unless, um, people start moving, you know, from established teams, and I just wouldn't wouldn't see that happening. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. All right. We may be having some technical difficulty there, and um, Vince should be back with us in just a little bit. Um, but as we were talking about, um, you know, coaching, it, it, I don't I don't think there will be as many changes as there has been in the past, um, but we'll see where it goes. Jacksonville had an interesting list of candidates. I think some of those made a lot of sense, and uh, some of the established guys, Peterson, Caldwell, I think, will be guys, obviously, other teams would look at um, as well from there. Hey, I'm back. All right. That's good. <laughs> uh, yeah. Why I, yeah, I'm not going to explain all the te- technology things, but nonetheless, um, I'm back, and I'm glad that you're able to carry the conversation. Okay. Um, so with those coaching changes, you, Seattle's an interesting one. You, you talked about that. Um, you know, I just don't know what, you know, Russell Wilson's probably going to be gone more than likely. He's going to move on somewhere else. So then it's going to come with the Pete Carroll, whether or not he wants to stay and try to rebuild, uh, go out and get a veteran quarterback, whatever it may be. Or if he says, you know, I'm so old, I'm ready to 
<laughs> to call it quits and step away. It'll be this nice kind of break of and complete rebuild there in Seattle. I don't know. I'd still be surprised that both Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll are gone. I feel like one of them will still be there. And uh, so if they end the season and Pete Carroll announces he's retiring, I think Wilson stays. Um, but I think that if, if he doesn't, then I think Wilson leaves. And uh, I'll be interested to see kind of how they – how they get everything going from there. But uh, nonetheless, uh, I don't know. That That's kind of where I stand with it. Um, Carolina, you know, a lot of people have talked about, well, Matt Rule's not going to cut it in the NFL long term. I don't think he's been that bad. I think that they don't have a quarterback and that their star player uh, and McCaffrey's been out for a lot of time. Um, you go back to the offseason, Dad, they talked about trading McCaffrey for Watson. At the time, we are like, there's no way they would do that. But now, the more I think about it, I mean, if he's not going to stay healthy, why not go out there and get you a franchise quarterback in Deshaun Watson? Um, would you hold your hopes out for Christian McCaffrey, or would you move him for a big piece? Um, again, you know, I'd have to know more. Definitely the inside, I would keep McCaffrey. I mean, he's a guy that they build around and they can build around. Um, they need to go get a quarterback again. You know, Deshaun Watson, and we may talk about him in other scenarios here, um, it, it's just so iffy at this point. I don't know that a team can get him knowing why he's going to be the franchise quarterback because I don't think they know his legal situation well enough Um you know, that, that's going to have to be cleared up. Now, if it got totally cleared and he can come back and play football and he can play football, you know, indefinitely, then all of a sudden, yeah, he's a major guy. It's everybody, a lot of people are going to go after, but uh, that hasn't happened yet. Yeah, I think Miami, I think Philadelphia, and I think Carolina are the three teams to watch. I mean, you talk about Denver and places that need quarterbacks as well, but I think those are the three teams to watch for Deshaun Watson. I think Everything gets cleared up before the start of next season. He might still get suspended two, four games. I don't know. But he sat out a whole season. They didn't technically suspend him, so maybe they'll still suspend him. I don't know. But I think at this point, if I'm Carolina, I go all in on the quarterback, even if that means losing Christian McCaffrey. And I look to find other pieces at running back because you've got uh, Chuba Hubbard, who wasn't great this year. But you can find pieces late in the draft veteran guys that can come in and fill a running back need versus finding a guy to fill the quarterback need when you know you got a guy in Deshaun Watson that can play. If he's available, obviously, uh, available to play, things like that, that's the most important thing. Um, okay, let's talk about Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> We're talking about coaches. Jim Harbaugh had his best year at Michigan, goes to the college football playoffs, and here he sits now uh, flirting with the NFL again. And uh, now um, Andrew Brandt, who used to be with the Packers, a great business, NFL business guy, uh, he put out a tweet today that just said, Harbaugh's agent is working hard, um, which makes me wonder if he's just looking for a, an extension or something at Michigan. That is possible, of course. But the big rumor came out last this past week that Harbaugh likes Vegas, likes the, uh, the Raiders and the opportunities that are there. Um, and then, of course, he's tied to the Bears, which he'll always be tied to the Bears to some degree as well. Um, give me your thoughts on Jim Harbaugh and the possible return to the NFL. I, I mean, that's just shocking to me. I mean, I, 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 again, you know, he's been an NFL coach, and, and you know, to me, he failed at that. He did not do well. 
uh, there and left there. He fits better in college. That's what everyone said when he left the NFL. And I think that's true. You know, he's not one that's flexible in this day and time for a coach to be successful in the NFL, there has to be some relating to players, some flexibility. And it can be different, just like the guy in Detroit is different, but he's been able to rally players around him. Harbaugh did not have that when he was in the NFL. And um, I I sure don't see why an owner would pick him thinking he's going to be the answer. Um, now, like you said, maybe he's doing this to posture to get a better deal um, at Michigan. Uh, maybe he finally beat Ohio State once and he's smart enough to get out of Michigan because it's probably not going to happen again for another 10 years. I don't know. But, um, you know, I, I, the idea of him going to the NFL, um, I don't see why he's the top name on a list. Um, they may make an effort at it, but uh, I, that just doesn't make a lot of sense to me because I don't know that he can, you know, fit in. He's going to come in and change the culture wherever he is. Now, between you and me, sure, let's let him go to Chicago. I think that'd be great. I'd be fine with him, you know, being down for a couple more years. But I just don't see where he fits into the NFL the way he is. You said he failed in the NFL. He took a team to the Super Bowl who was quarterbacked by Colin Kaepernick, who was out of the league just a couple of years later. I don't call that a failure. Why isn't he still an NFL coach? Well, they fired him. And yeah, his personality personality is definitely an issue. I think when you get fired, that failure can, that word can be attached to that to an extent. I mean, to some degree, I suppose. But I mean, you're saying, why would any team want to look at him? He took a team to the Super Bowl. That seems like a pretty good good resume builder, in my opinion, at least. Uh, and you could say he he built back the Michigan program as well by getting him to the – now, I agree with you. He would be smart to get out of Michigan because I don't think he makes it past where he got this year. I don't ever foresee Michigan being in the national championship game. Now they're going to have extended playoffs in the years to come, so they'll be able to jump in there uh, and make the playoffs again. But I don't see him making a championship. And he took him to a height right now. Uh, that he could get out and go back to the NFL and, you know, the money's similar. The work is the NFL work is so much easier than the college head coaching work as well. Um, but uh, nonetheless, I think he gets back uh, on color cash right now. Uh, Ryan joins us on color cash. Thanks Ryan. Uh, he says, I expect Harbaugh and his khakis to be back in the NFL, but if, and only if he gets full control Something about dinner and groceries, Bill Parcells said back in the day. Uh, yeah, full control is not going to happen for Jim Harbaugh. Um, that's just something the teams aren't, they're not going to do that. I think teams are starting to realize that the organization should be set up with a GM who runs the football management side of things and a coach who runs the on the field things. It's what works best. It's what's most successful uh, in almost every place with one exception, maybe in New England. Uh, but everywhere else, it just doesn't work when the coach runs everything uh, from there. And so uh, in that case, I think that uh, I think I would make a run back for the NFL if I was hardball because he can always get a coaching job again if he wants it. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I mean he, could go, he could go back to college after that. But I, I just like like I said, I, I don't know that his style. um and again, you know, the fact, if I remember right, I mean, you know, he got fired because, again, it just conflicts and it just it was a style type of thing. And um, I just, you know, 
I, I don't see where he'd be on the top of the list. Um, but, you know, stranger things, I guess, have happened. I don't know. He wouldn't be at the top of my list. I agree with that. Um, now, in San Francisco, he butted heads with Trent Baalke, who's now the GM in Jacksonville. So, you know, Jim Harbaugh's not going to Jacksonville. <laughs> but outside of that, I mean, I think there's a team that could do worse than Jim Harbaugh as their head coach, especially if you're thinking, hey, if he can come in for five years, get us to the Super Bowl, that's a successful five-year run. And uh, most teams would sign up for that uh, as well. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, let's talk about um, some other controversy going on in the NFL. Let's get to the MVP debate. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is the front runner right now, according to the odds that are there. But, Dad, uh, a guy who actually is on the radio for Packer pregame sometimes, he's from Chicago, but nonetheless, he comes out this week and he says, I'm not voting for Aaron Rodgers because he's a jerk. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I, I sit here and I know we're Packer fans, so maybe we're biased on this to some degree, but both of us were pretty perturbed with Aaron Rodgers this offseason, but both of us think he should be the MVP this year. So what do you make of this uh, this, this you know, I don't know, is it clickbait? I don't, I don't know. What do you make of this conversation now that, that Aaron Rodgers should not be the MVP because he's unvaccinated and he's a jerk? Well, like you said, you know, um, Hub Arkus, you know, I guess he, you said he's on Packer um, pregame sometime and stuff like that, but he's from Chicago. And I think Rogers' comment in Chicago about he owns them is something that's going to be around for a long time. And to me, this is a guy from Chicago that says, fine, you don't own me. And it's interesting to me that he has tried, the way he has handled this, he's trying to campaign other voters uh, to not vote for Rodgers. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I don't think it'll be effective. Um, to me, it's Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady. Brady is also, I mean, I'd be for Aaron Rodgers. Like you said, I'm a Packer fan. Um, I think, I think he, you know, he deserves it. Um, again, I love Taylor from uh, Indianapolis, but I don't think he's probably quite going to be there. Um, you know, Brady's had a great year, but again, Rogers plays um, when he's on and he's been on most of this year, he's at a level that's different from everybody else. He hasn't won the Super Bowls. You know, Brady has won, but that's not what the MVP is all about here. Um, and again, you know, get into the deal about well, Rogers is a jerk and this and that or whatever. You know, there's a lot of information we don't have. And when you get to the thing about the COVID deal, the team was aware of it. The NFL was aware of it. Um, the fans weren't. I mean, you know, he, yeah, and the media was not. Um, he did mislead them, but the Packers knew the situation and the NFL knew the situation because he had appealed uh, the situation there. So, um, yeah, yeah, in the, in, in, in the offseason, yeah, I don't understand some of the turmoil, but again, supposedly he didn't break the news the day of the draft. Um, now, I, you know, if he had, then that would be there. I, I just think if later a lot of dishonesty comes out, then it's really going to tarnish a lot of things. But I don't know that that's going to happen. Um, I The changes he wanted made, a lot of them, if not all of them, have been made this year. Uh, and he has said that this week. The communication with the GM, with Brian Gutenkusk, um, you know, that's been where he wanted it to be. And that was really the main issue 
Um, I think the president, if he doesn't mess things up, then I think everything else is going to be um, okay there. I, I think it, I think he'll either retire or he'll come back with the Packers. But as far as the MVP, if he, I, I think there's he has as good a chance. Like I said, he's the leader. I think there's a chance he'll win. And um, you know, this guy just wanted to, for whatever reason, either try to stir up trouble. Uh, because of the thing, a comment about Chicago, which he does own them, by the way. And uh, that thing's going to be around for years and years and years. But, um, you know, hopefully Jim Harbaugh will be the one that's talking about it next year, but we'll see. We will see. Uh, yeah, I think it's clickbait mainly. And like you said, maybe it's personal. Uh, maybe it's personal. A Chicago, Chicago person um, took it personally. I don't know. Uh, all right, Dad, let's get to our pick sixes. We got to get to this, these picks this week. We'll still continue this throughout the playoffs, but uh, we won't always have six teams. Uh, pick six this week, we did pretty good. Uh, you did really good, I think, last week, but um, or better than me at least. But uh, game number one this week, who are you picking? Um, I will take Green Bay over Detroit. Even though the starters may not play the whole game, um, I think the, the Green Bay is going to be focused to win the game, and I'll take Green Bay. I think Green Bay is just better, right? Even with Jordan Love at quarterback, they're better than Tim Boyle and the Detroit Lions. They're three-and-a-half-point favorites. Both of us have picked Green Bay this week uh, over Detroit with three-and-a-half points there. Uh, game number two. I'll take Pittsburgh over Baltimore. I think Pittsburgh's on a little bit of a roll. I think, you know, with being Roethlisberger's last game, uh, I know you've been very outspoken this year about Pittsburgh not being good. In a lot of ways, that's true, but they have surprised. Baltimore has really stumbled, and uh, this one, I just got a feeling I go with Pittsburgh. Uh, I'm actually picking Pittsburgh as well this week, Dad. Uh, they're six-point underdogs in Baltimore. I don't know if they'll beat Baltimore. I think it'll be a close game. Um, you know, I think it'd be fitting if Roethlisberger gets injured early and, and they got to play the rest of the game with Mason Rudolph or somebody else, but, uh, Duck Hodges, I don't think he's there anymore. Anyways, I pick Pittsburgh as well. I, I do think they stink. I thought they stunk early in the season. I thought they stunk before the season and I don't think that they're happy with a eight, seven and one record as it sits currently. And, uh, but I picked them this week at plus six underdogs as well. Game number three. I'll take the underdog Houston against Tennessee. I think Tennessee will probably win, but Houston has played some teams close. And again, it's a division game. And um, so I I think I'll take uh, Houston and the points there. Yeah, I actually picked Houston also this week, Dad. I think Tennessee, some of it will play out with Kansas City on Saturday. If Kansas City loses, then they'll kind of know a little bit more what they're dealing with. But um, for whatever reason, I think Houston can keep it a a reasonably close game. You know, Derrick Henry's back practicing. I would be shocked if they played Derrick Henry this week. Get them healthy and play them in the playoffs. There's no reason to play them this week, uh, I don't think, at least. Um, I think Tennessee wins. I think Houston can keep it close uh, there as well. So, so far, we're picking the same games. Uh, who's game number, what is it, uh, four? Four. I'll take Arizona over Seattle. Arizona's got more to play for. They need to get on a run here in the playoffs. Last week, that was a real boost. Again, I Seattle, I, I you know, again, it's a division game, so you never know what will happen. But I think Arizona can cover that. Yeah, I think Seattle, I think they're abysmal. I think last week was a great week for them, but um, there's changes coming. 
I don't think this ends well for Seattle. Arizona needs to win. It still plays a factor into their seeding here in the playoffs. Uh, Arizona is a six and a half point favorite. Um, both of us feel comfortable with that six and a half points. So we're both going to take Arizona. We agree on that one as well. Uh, game number five. Um, really probably the best game of the week. And of course, TV's got it as a Sunday night game. And, um, you know, that's an interesting one to pick, but I'm going to take Las Vegas. Um, I think Carr can make the difference here. Um, I think they've been surprising that they've held on the way they have. And the Chargers have just been so up and down. Um, you know, you'd like to think, well, they can really dominate this, but you've, you know, we've thought that certain weeks and that hasn't happened. And, um, so I'm going to go with Vegas. The Chargers are finally healthy. So I picked this game as well, but I'm going with the Chargers minus three. You've got Vegas plus three. Um, you know, I think this game, the Chargers are finally where they need to be. I think it's time now. They've got to, they've got to flip the switch, right? It's got to be there now. And, uh, and I think they do. So I picked the Chargers. Uh, this will be a shock to you, but on ColorCast, Kevin just commented, Seattle plus the points is a lock to me. Uh, Kevin, a big Seattle fan. He's been on the show several times, fantasy football and baseball. Um, I tried to tell Kevin before the season started, it's not going to be pretty for Seattle. He didn't believe me, um, but uh, sorry, Kev. Uh, well, I duly noted Seattle a lock for Kevin. Uh, me and Dad, though, will go the other way on that one. All right, um, so I picked the Chargers. You picked Vegas. So that one we differed in a little bit. Now game number six. Um, I'll take Cincinnati over Cleveland. Again, this is a rivalry game. Cincinnati, um, you know, doing well. I think they need to continue to do well here for the playoffs. Uh, Cleveland, again, things are kind of a, a mess there. And now they're, you know, they're not going to make the playoffs. It is a rivalry game, but I'll take Cincinnati. Cincinnati is a six-point underdog this week against Cleveland, which tells me Joe Burrow is not playing. Uh, that'd be my guess. They're going back up quarterback. He's, of course, injured. They need him healthy for the playoffs. For that reason, I stayed away from that game completely because I thought, you know, if Cincinnati wins that game with a backup quarterback, uh, maybe Stefanski's looking for a new job. I'm not sure. Uh, I did not pick that game, Dad. My last game was the Rams. I took the Rams minus four and a half against San Francisco, a must-win game for both teams. Should be a uh, tough battle, but I think the Rams are the better team and ultimately get the win. Even with Trey Lance playing for San Francisco, I think the Rams – uh, get the win there at four and a half. So there's our picks this week. Dad goes Green Bay, Vegas, Arizona, Cincinnati, Houston, and Pittsburgh. I go Green Bay, the Chargers, Arizona, the Rams, Texans, and Pittsburgh as well. Uh, all right, Dad, last thing I want to get out in the NFL before we switch over to the USFL is uh, Baker Mayfield. Uh, is he the Browns quarterback of the future? Are they going to extend him or is it time for the Browns to move on to a new quarterback? I don't think they'll move on unless they know they can get, you know, I, I thought about this one a little bit and looked at it. Um, you know, they've invested a lot in Baker Mayfield. There is some questions about uh, maybe durability, but apart from that, I think he is a leader. I do not think he's an elite quarterback. They have a lot of weapons there. And they have a lot of, uh, you know, in many ways they have a good team. And in many ways this year it looked like they were going to make a real move. I don't know that it was Baker Mayfield's um, fault. Unless they can get Russell Wilson or maybe Deshaun Watson, 
Um, I, I started looking, well, who would they get? It would be better than Baker Mayfield. Maker, you know, Mayfield's been in the system um, there. You know, I don't think Garoppolo's better. I don't think Jameis Winston would be a better answer. Um, you know, um, Darnold, uh, Cam Newton, I don't think any of those would fit in at Cleveland any better than Baker Mayfield does. Um, I, I don't think they'll make a move unless they know again. Now, if they could get Russell Wilson, then that would change things altogether. And you talked about Deshaun Watson, that that might be a, somebody too. Otherwise, unless they're going to make some kind of big trade, and I again, I don't know, you know, being able to trade Mayfield, you know, straight up for somebody, um, I you know, I, I don't know about that. I don't think Cleveland will move on from him. They struggled for so many years to get a quarterback. And they have to know that what they're getting, if they replace Baker and Mayfield, they have to know that he's better. They can't guess. And uh, for that reason, I think they continue with Baker Mayfield, but I guarantee they make a phone call. They make a phone call to Houston for Deshaun Watson, make a phone call to Seattle for Russell Wilson. But you're right. None of the other veteran quarterbacks are better than Baker that are going to be available. And, uh, you know, the college quarterbacks this year, I just I don't like any of them. Uh, no, I haven't studied them much yet. We're getting into draft season here pretty soon, and I will study them out a little bit more there. And maybe I'll change my mind uh, come draft time. But at this point, I don't see a quarterback in college where I go, yeah, he is. He he will give Cleveland a better shot next year for a Super Bowl. I don't see it. And uh, But I think you're right. I think if one of those guys, Watson or Wilson or maybe another surprise veteran quarterback becomes available um maybe but uh, yeah i think i think they gotta stick with him but i don't think he's the long-term answer either i don't think baker mayfield takes cleveland to the super bowl and um you know i just i don't see it happening there for cleveland i said last thing i want to hit one more thing real quick and then we're going to get over to usfl football the antonio brown saga um you know it's crazy antonio brown came out with his side of the story buccaneers have their side of the story um you know, at the end of the day, Tampa Bay is now without Antonio Brown and without Chris Godwin. You know, are their Super Bowl chances bleak? Yes. I, I mean, they're not going into the playoffs, um, you know, where they need to be. And plus, this whole thing is going to be a distraction, I think, for a couple of weeks. They'll say that they'll say they're not. But again, um, you know, I I feel like Brady runs that whole operation anyhow, and he may be able to get things back under control or whatever. Uh, but Bruce Arians is not going to help with the situation. He's not really helping with it now. Um, so, and again, as you know, I'm not a big Bruce Arians fan. So, um, I don't think Tampa is is you know headed in the right direction. Again, they've got a good team. I think when they lost Godwin, that really did make a difference um, from there. Are they going to get Fournette back? Do we know that? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. Well, that will help a lot. Like I said, in fantasy football, that 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 was a real hurt to me with Godwin and, and Fournette. But anyhow, um, yeah. I, I again, you know, the whole thing. Um, you know, Tampa's interesting situation. You know, I mean, they you know they they won a Super Bowl, so you can't argue with that. But they kind of sold out everything. You know, go get Brady, and and then they let him bring people in, which was probably very wise. Uh, but Tanner and 
Antonio Brown was probably not wise. I mean, even if there is a story does come out where it's kind of bad on the side of the Bucks, there was no excuse for his actions. And, and you know, you've heard a lot of people talking this week. He, you know, he's been problems everywhere. So um, um, very interesting. Yeah, I've got thoughts, but I might hold those for another day uh, as far as mental health issues and things like that as well. Uh, and one more comment from Kevin Wilson on ColorCast. Uh, he says, Russell Wilson is not, in all capital letters, is not going to Cleveland. Um, I, I think poor Kevin's heart would break if that happened. But uh, we'll talk about that another day with Kevin Wilson. We'll bring him back on the show another day, talk about yeah. that. All right, Ned, we've talked college football. We've talked professional NFL football. Now we're going to transition to the USFL. And to help us out with this is the insider to the USFL. He's the host of the Gridiron Gallery football podcast, and he's also a contributor for USFL Newsroom, Zach Kyleman. Hey, Zach, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. Thank you guys for having me on the show. Looking forward to this opportunity. And really, it's been a crazy week. So uh, I'm just I'm excited <laughs> just to share everything about this league right now. Yeah, it has been crazy, and uh, Zach just uh, was doing his his show, I believe, uh, a little bit earlier tonight, so you can always find that Gridiron Gallery football podcast uh, through Belly Up Sports, but also anywhere you get your podcasts there as well. Zach, let's start with the news of the day. They announced uh, new coaching, uh, new coaches that are coming into the USFL. Um, I've been asked already three times today, who in the world is Bart Andrus? Um, <laughs> tell, us, tell us about Bart. Tell us about the other coaches here and what you like and dislike about those those announcements. Well, sure. I'll, I'll start with Bart Andrus. And it's funny, I have seen a few people that have asked, you know, who is this guy? Well, Bart Andrus has really been kind of, a, if I'm describing him as a Johnny Cash song, he's been everywhere. So we're talking about a guy that's been, he's, he was successful in NFL Europe. He also has been in other spring and alternative leagues, such as the United Football League. He was also in the CFL for a time. He was an offensive coordinator for the Rams at one point. In the XFL, he was doing the scout team as their head coach, Team 9, as they call it. And his main connection to how he's in this position now with the Philadelphia Stars is he has been a head coach for the Spring League, which is kind of the predecessor to how the USFL got its stuff kicked off and kick-started. The president of football operations, Brian Woods, he led that organization and kind of brought the idea to Fox. Andrus was one of the big proponents in that league and one of the best coaches in the league. So he's coming over with the stars. Funny thing is though, they had the generals trademark and they didn't put him on the generals. So I have found that funny. However, they put Mike Riley on there who I was still just as enthused about because of his connections to college, his time in the NFL. And he was in the Alliance American football with the commanders, one of the best teams in the league, one of those popular teams. He also was in the XFL as an offensive coordinator with Jim Zorn on the Seattle Dragons. So he has those connections as well to multiple leagues. And then the two others are somewhat either well-known or you know known in the college scene. Kevin Sumlin, Houston, Texas A&M, and Arizona head coach over his time frame. He's had successes, at, at least for the most part, at two of those three stops with Houston and Texas A&M. And Arizona was his most recent. And then the Tampa Bay Bandits, they're going to be getting Todd Haley, he's going to, for those that might remember him, of course, offense coordinator for the Pittsburgh Steelers from 2012, 2017. Before that, he was also coaching the Kansas City Chiefs for three years from 09 to 11. And then his final stop was actually in Cleveland for one season as their offensive coordinator. He's actually been coaching high school football on the side, kind of away from the professional scene for a few years. This is his first stint coming back. 
And we're then waiting on the next four coaches, which if I'm going to hopefully guess, maybe that's next week is what I would like to see. Zach, I want to come back to these these coaches that we've already know about. Uh, when I was looking at their records, Bart Andrews' professional record as a head coach is 48 and 66. Mm-hmm. Um, not great. Uh, <laughs> if you look at winning <laughs> yeah. percentage, Todd Haley, his head coaching record is 19 and 27. Someone's got a great head coaching record, 95 and 63. And Mike Riley, 182 to 177. I think with not knowing Bart Andrews, and maybe there will be several that do know him just because he's been literally everywhere, um, you know, I guess I look at it and go, I don't, I kind of look back to, I don't know how big of an NBA fan you are, but I look back to when the Cavs brought in the, the um, and now his name just slipped me, the uh, guy from over in Israel uh, and Europe. When they hired him and everybody was like, well, he had so much success in Europe, maybe he's this great coach. And I think he was a decent coach, but um, we're just kind of guessing. With Andrus, you know, the, the football faithful, they know who he is because he has been on NFL teams. Uh, he has been in, in every league that you can possibly think of. And um, I don't know, but I look at that record 48 and 66, I think, boy, for a league that's trying to get off the ground, you you might want to make a bigger splash than that. But am I wrong? Is he the right guy for this league? Well, I, I think it is. And I think that his his proving of developing younger talent, diamonds in the rough guys with the TSL, the spring league is the acronym for that, by the way. Uh, that is to me what has proved it. He is he, the league itself, the spring league. I have to kind of preference what that, what that is. Uh, it's more of a kind of like a, kind of like a younger players camp, more of the guys that are just out of college that are trying to make it to the next level. And so it's really a developmental, like skill based teaching type of league that he was a part of that has transformed in many essence of ways into aspects of the USFL. So if we're talking about what the USFL is going for, which is younger talent, they've specified that maybe like group of five level players or those that are youthful, like NFL vets that want to see if they can go somewhere else to prove that they have a chance of making it to the top. Then I think that track record helps for him. So that's kind of where I'm basing on. I know his record professionally is, it is a bit low. I understand that. And that's fair. Todd Haley. I know that's another question and people have their own opinions on Todd Haley, even for his OC performances, if you will. Um, I would say for Andrus, though, he has backed it up from recent years. So that's where you're going to get it from. Todd Haley, I think that's the one to me that's a total, I'm not sure what we're going to get out of this. Um, I, I think for name recognition out of the out of these first four, he's probably like second highest. Mike Riley is the one that people are really going, oh, wow, Mike Riley, just from his tenure and his track record. But Haley, to me, is the one that if I'm like looking at these four, I'm going, eh, we'll see how this plays out. That's the guy I want to put a wait and see on, especially since he's on the bandits. That's a historical USFL name that has a ton of nostalgia for it right now. Uh, You got to live up to the hype for uh, to representing bandit ball in the modern era. Mm. Uh, of course, the rumors are already out. Gene Chizik is a possible name for Birmingham. Are you hearing any other names uh, that are being rumored for these other teams? Uh, Chizik, at least right now, that's, that's a lot of signs are pointing that way. I know he kind of came out and said, we haven't finalized anything. Uh, otherwise not entirely yet. I mean, there were some, there's some ones you can assume from, again, I got to go to spring league because some of these coaches are going to be probably transferred, but they're decent names. For example, Kevin Gilbride, he was with the spring league just this past 
April through June session. That's how they actually broadcast on Fox, funny enough. And he was one of the best coaches in the league. Another one, Hal Mummy, who is who is known very much for the air raid offense. He was actually the one who won the championship in the spring league this past spring. So he is most likely another one that you can consider returning. I would say those two are solid candidates that if I, if I didn't see at least one of them in there, I would be shocked just for how well they did and for how much they seem to have enjoyed their experience in there. Otherwise it's kind of up in the air for who else might be there. I know they're still trying to target at least somewhat bigger names. There's, there was something going around that they want to get guys that might be have just gotten out of the college scene and maybe they, they can come in, you know, like for example, say like a Kevin someone who has just gotten out of the college scene recently. So that's possible. But those two are the names Gilbride and mummy, I think are the two you want to watch out for in this next round of coaches. I'm in Lexington, Kentucky. So how mummy is a familiar name around here for sure. Dad, I think you had a question about the player pool, didn't you? Yes. Um, again, I'm, I'm kind of intrigued. Of course, I guess they got the draft coming up here in February, they said. Uh, I don't know if they call it the draft, but getting the players. And I wonder exactly, is there one main area they're getting them from? And the thing about the NFL, is there going to be players that are under contract with a team that can play in this in the spring? Like, I was thinking of practice squads. Usually, if I remember right, when the NFL season ends, the team signed the practice squad guys um, to the team. Um, is the practice squad guys, are they eligible or would you think there'll be a lot of practice squad guys that will not sign on right now with an NFL team? Um, do you think NFL teams will look at this as, Hey, this would be better experience than OTAs, uh, having them play in the USFL. Well, I'm not really a hundred percent on where the NFL stands on the USFL at the moment. Now the USFL did send a memo to the NFL PA about how to sign up for the, this league and what you can do to get in steps, what they're looking for. So, I mean, in theory, I would say practice squad players are definitely being a consideration. And here's the thing with me, with these leagues compared to the practice squad, I know practice squad in terms of like the NFLPA, they've been striving to get them better wages to have more quality players and have a larger practice squad for them. The thing with this is, do you want the play experience or do you want to have the sustainable, you know, of course, revenue that comes in from being on the practice squad, which, you know, practice squad sour numbers are no slouch to a person outside of our outside of the football realm. So, I mean, that's tempting, but I will say that I think that's a target. If you want to be like, okay, you can practice or you have a chance to come and be a starter and play on one of our leagues. They're only being 38 man rosters. So these are kind of slim. They're slimmer rosters. So it's a higher likelihood you can possibly make, and break into that league a bit better as well. Um, and for the player pools, I mean, they're going to target those guys, but they're also going to target, I bring the spring league in again, but it's because this is an idea that was birthed in that league. So they already played a season with a bunch of players in that league, a lot of talent that they like. I imagine they've already signed some contracts from players in that league that were there that maybe are looking for their next opportunity. One thing with the USFL, they've said in that memo, you have to sign a contract with the league to then be part of the player pool. So anyone that comes over, they have to put a contract in with the USFL before they are possibly going to be selected in February. And it pretty much is a draft. It's just not as formal and not as I would say uh, pageantry like as what the NFL is doing. I hope that they do that next year, but 
this year, I mean, it's such a crunch time to get them in. They have to just kind of do it, you know, almost a standard way. Zach, they announced this week too that they are they're offering players and staff tuition free, debt free college degree programs. The players that come in, they have to have graduated high school in 2020 or earlier. Are they going to go after some college players, guys that are currently on college teams um, that maybe aren't going to go to the NFL or not not even eligible to go to the NFL yet this year? Um, but as opposed to them sitting out, like I think of Jamar Chase last year, who sat out a whole year, are they going to target those kind of guys? Well, I don't think you're going to get any power five talents is what I'm going to put it at that. And I think that you're going to also see kind of a resistance or kind of feeling the waters out if you're going to have anyone that comes over from college. The USFL's hinted in some different areas of like media coverage. Uh, Brian Woods actually was on a was on kind of like a panel of sorts on, I think, NFL scouting or really just football scouting in general. And he implied that it's going to be like group of five talent and maybe lower that there are their main targets. If you're going to do that college setting, we're talking diamonds in the rough kind of young talent that maybe perhaps they get drafted mid to late round, but there's guys that they don't get drafted. And then it's the practice squad guys, as we're talking about that, they're trying to get a roster spot and then they get cut, say like a few months into the training camp or into like maybe OTAs. And then they are like, well, what do I do now? So they're looking for guys like that, you know, that aren't guaranteed to make it to the NFL, but they had solid careers in G5 or maybe FCS, you know, that you can pull from those pools of of guys and maybe could lure away some of those people too. say transfer portal isn't an option. You can then, you know, get paid. And then as you're talking with tuition, which I like the idea there, you get to then get college credits while also getting to play the sport you love. And it's thinking beyond just, your time as a player, like many players do anyway, the average span of a football player in the NFL at least is three years. So, you know, offering that up to say, we're thinking about your future, but also we're giving you a pathway if you want to try and excel yourself past just the United States Football League. Yeah, I cover Eastern Kentucky University. They're an FCS school. I talked with uh, Coach Walt Wells at the end of the season about the idea of the USFL and other leagues. He said it's the it's a great thing for our players because now they have more opportunity to go somewhere after college and get an opportunity to get seen some more uh, by NFL scouts and have that opportunity to play professionally somewhere at the very least as well. Dad, any other questions for Zach? I got two things. One would be the schedule. I understand there's 10 games and then I assume there's a playoff. Will everything be done before training camps start in the NFL? Yes, they should be done. If I remember, if I am thinking this correctly, because the championship game is going to be in early July, you're going to have the playoffs in June, and then you'll have most of your schedule played between April and May within probably ending in early June. So it should end in time to where players could then opt if they wanted to, or say NFL, NFL teams were contacting and trying to get some players on, they could then go into training camp. It would be a little, of course it would be a little late. I know teams prefer you're in earlier, but I think if someone really pops off as a potentially like really good backup or somebody that maybe you're surprised, you're like, Oh my God, we missed this guy that you can get them in and you can at least get them an- antiquated enough into training camp by August to where they can be on a team. So yeah, the, the schedule starts, the first game is April 16th, that Saturday. And then the season will end in early July. I forget the specific date, 
but that's the championship for them. I think I heard July 3rd was the target date for I the championship. I think that is correct. Is there going to be playoffs or just one championship game? Nope, there's going to be playoffs the way they're doing it. They are going to do essentially a two semifinal matchups with the championship, the uh, including on July 3rd with the two that win those games. All right. When you talk about the 38-man rosters, do you know the size of the coaching staffs? Or are they going to have something comparable to the NFL, or will it be a much smaller coaching staff? I haven't heard anything on sizes of coaching staff. So I would say right now that you – I would think that maybe that one stays a standardized size. I, get, I need some more clarity on that. Uh, but, for example, you're going to see 38 players, of course, so it's, it is a bit slimmed down. And then I believe, from what I remember, seven players are going to be practice squad per team to add on to that too. Uh, but I don't – I wouldn't – I don't think that you will see a slimmed down coaching staff per se. Maybe like assistants and such, but you're going to get, of course, the usual offensive, defense coordinators, special teams, and then, you know, the skill position players. So I'm not sure how much will be trimmed out of that, but I think you'll have close to more of a standard size of the coaching staffs compared to, say, a player player roster size. Okay. Zach, you think we're going to see more diversity uh, in the USFL coaching staff? Uh, I'm thinking more females than, than I'm talking about skin color, I guess, because mm. I think skin color is a deal that I think we're getting much better at when it comes to opportunities, especially as assistant coaches and things like that as well. Um, but we started seeing uh, what, three or four females on 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 uh, coaching staffs this year as well. Is the USFL uh, it's obviously going to build up players. Are they going to use it as a diving board for coaches as well? Yeah, I mean, I would hope so. I, I think that these leagues do open up opportunities for those that maybe they want to go a different path. And, you know, again, the NFL only has, you can only, it's so, to me, it can be very linear at times, the way I've de- de- depicted it when it comes to coach movement, or at least how you kind of move up the ranks. So it's another professional league. So technically you are going to be doing this professionally. That's what's being at least marked as. So in theory, you know, yeah, that's an opportunity, I would say, for those. And I, I do hope you see more diverse groups of at least assistants or coaches that will be in. I think so far, so good, I would say, at least the first four. And then I think you'll be able to build out from that, too, in those different personnel groups. I hope that that's the case. I think that's the case. I haven't seen anything that wouldn't say that being the case. So I would say, at least coaching-wise, that should be another avenue for you. My last question for you, Zach, is quality of play. Uh, I think of uh, things, you know, I, I think of it in baseball, it's easier to kind of tell. Around here, we got lots of colleges. So, you know, we compare them to minor league baseball systems. So we say, oh, this college, it's like going to a double A game. This college, it's like going to a single A game, whatever it may be. Um, what's the level of play going to be like? Is it going to be similar to what we saw with the, the most recent XFL or AAF? Um, or what do we expect out of it? I think from what they have been talking about, they want to get, think of it as like AAA. I, that's how I put it. It's not going to be, they aren't competing with the NFL. And that's just like how the XFL was back in 2020. It's not competing with the NFL. It's its own thing, but it's an option for those football fans in the spring. I would say that it's probably more closer to AAA baseball in terms of that, or AAA football is how I'll designate it from here on out. It's not the top level, but there are people that can move up that are getting that close to that step. So that's what they're looking for. As well as the XFL, which is funny because after this year, 
2023, they're competing. You, you talk about the player pool guys earlier. That player pool does get some competition after next year or after this year. So, you know, they're both going to be this triple A option. And I think you're going to be seeing which one people designate as the double A or the triple A, but they're both going to claim that they're triple A or just that step below the professional NFL scene, but above college. Yeah, that's a good point. Good point. Anything else to add? Uh, no, it'll be interesting to see again the players that are that are in there. Um, I think didn't you mention or I heard it mentioned that there could be a chance for um, older players in the NFL who you know maybe have been um, been backups for a long time to have a shot in this, and there could be a little name recognition that way. Is that going to be a possibility? You think? So that one, it's funny. Uh, same conversation with that Brian Woods had in that. Uh, kind of that NFL scouts panel or football scouts panel that is, he implied that veterans that have been around a little longer might be less likely to be in. It seems like the focus is more youth first rather than name recognition first. Now, I don't know what the XFL is going to do in that regard, but the U the USFL at least they want it where it's like, we are strictly doing diamonds in the rough type of talent. Maybe guys that were just in the NFL for like one to like three years that'll come back this the the length of the veteran in the nfl is an assumption but i would say that guys that have been through the ringer have gone past that average length of player at least careers in the nfl you might not be seeing as many of those guys coming into you know the usfl maybe like quarterbacks they'll make an exception because i mean ryan mallet he was in the spring league the spring league has the same concept but Mallet is easily past 30 on to, I believe he's 31 or 32. He played when he was playing last this past spring. So, you know, some, some guys like that, oops, oh boy, <laughs> might be uh, something to consider. All right, Zach Kyleman, uh, host of the Gridiron Gallery Football Podcast. Zach, it's been great talking with you. We'll have you back on down the road as we continue to dive closer into the USFL. Uh, tell the fine folks where they can uh, find you at, where the best place to follow you out on social media and any other places that they can get your show. Sure thing, and thanks for having me on, by the way. Really appreciate it. I'm just glad to talk these leagues. Like, I don't think they get enough press as much, and I want to start getting that out there that there's a lot of good football beyond the NFL too, that I think people should check out if you're especially a diehard fan. Anyway, I'll, I'll cut to the chase. Uh, you can definitely check me out. I got social medias for gridiron gallery at grid gallery pod, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for those. I'm also on YouTube for gridiron gallery. The big one I want to push. We have, I have an exclusive, the USFL podcast. I just did the recording before I came on here with my buddy, Stefan Raychuk over at usfl newsroom that is exclusively usfl content so if you want a show just for that league we recorded the episode just before i came on here it's going to be released tomorrow morning i recommend you check it out we dive into all the stuff and maybe a bit more that we just talked about on here you want to listen in consider me a subscriber i'll go on and subscribe tonight i'm looking forward to it as someone who covers fcs football i understand exactly what you're saying we need more conversation around these other leagues and things going on as well uh zach thanks so much for being on with us like i said we'd love to have you back on again uh down the road as well but uh thanks for taking the time tonight no problem sign me up next time guys i'll catch you all right we'll see you (laughs) zach kyleman he is from the gridiron uh gallery football podcast and a lot of usfl coverage as well great information uh there from zach looking forward to continue to follow on that and learn more about the usf
L. All right, we're out of time tonight, Dad. Uh, everybody can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Sports Stove. We're going to be doing these live shows every Thursday, most Thursdays at least. We'll be on uh, Facebook, YouTube, ColorCast. We partnered with them. So if you have a, if you are an Apple user, an iPhone user, an iPad user, you can download the ColorCast app for free. Uh, you can follow our Sports Stove uh, profile. Anytime we're on, you can catch the show there live on ColorCast. And, Dad, we got huge stuff coming down the pipeline right now for this show. It looks like in the very near future, you'll be able to catch us on TV. Oh, my goodness. More information to come on that in the weeks ahead. I'm going to have to – we're going to have to get makeup, Dad. I mean, I don't don't understand. I don't know what we're going to do. But uh, a lot of good stuff coming up for the podcast. Catch us on Wednesday mornings. We have the local hour covering Eastern Kentucky University sports. Would love to have you tune into that as well. And uh, really excited about what's ahead. Big week of football ahead. We didn't talk about the playoffs today, but a lot of playoff implications going on this weekend. Dad, we'll discuss more of that next week as we're actually headed to the playoffs next week. It'll be a good time there as well. All right. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of the Sports Stove Podcast. Hopefully you like the episode. You'll share it, subscribe, review, uh, all those good things as well. Until next time, we'll see you around the Sports Stove.